so many gifted people. So many gifted people. Thank you so much. Hannah and Adam and Megan and Kelly. Thank you so much. Um, I, I don't need to do a lot of preaching today. I'm gonna, but I don't have to. Uh, because you get the whole thing on regrets. There's, there's not a one of us that looks back at our life and says, every decision I made that was right, everything I did was perfect. I, you know, I, I zigged when I was supposed to zig. I zagged when I was supposed to zag. There's just none of us who, who did that. We all, when, when, when you begin talking about that, the, the, the video begins running on the top of your, uh, the front of your, your mind's eye. I, I know it does for me. And that's why that song is so soulful for me. Is I, I get the intellectual pieces of it. Uh, uh, but uh, that song, my wife played it for me in our uh, car. And I said immediately, we gotta, we gotta use that one. Little did I know it would be so beautiful the way you guys would do it. Just, Absolutely fantastic. One of the things that you guys cut me free to do in about 1993 to 1999 was coach JV football at Orange Lutheran. And at that point, I was a youth pastor, and uh, I knew all the kids. And we used to send a ton of kids over to Orange Lutheran. We'd have 160 of our, of our students over there. And, and so I knew all the football players. You need to hang out. And, and then, uh, you know, on Sunday mornings, uh, we'd be over in the lighthouse, and they'd come in battered and bruised, and we'd tell the stories and laugh and study the scriptures and all of those things. Good, good days. And, and, and the goal of the JV football team at Lutheran High at that point was not to win. The goal, Coach Kunow told us, he said, <laughs> Coach Klink, he said, Coach Klink, you, the, the goal of your team is to get them from one level to the next. We want you to move them from being little ninth grade, wimpy little kids and train them technique and love them. Create a good community is in essence what he was saying. So our goal was never to win. And we never achieved the goal of winning. But we, oh. I mean, I remember losing to Calvary Chapel 63 to nothing at Brea. And, I just, and, and they were, you know, they beat the tar out of us and physically our boys. Matter of fact, a young boy from St. John's, uh, Matthew Slane, his sister teaches here now, Mrs. Harrison. I, I just remember him getting killed. And, and he goes, what do I do? I said, dude, you're our third quarterback. We get the ball and run for your life. I mean, I, I don't know what to do. And, and I'll never forget the Calvary Chapel people on the other side and yelling, 70, 70, like, oh my God. And then they came over and, and wanted to pray with us. We're like, go home, go home, go home, you know. But uh, it was a beautiful time, a wonderful time of ministry and uh, knew those boys. I, and, and we didn't win a lot of games until we started getting a, a little more cohesion in, in the program and and uh, we had one year, about four years after I started, 96, 97. I was trying to run that down with two of the boys this morning, and I couldn't run it down. 96, 97, somewhere in there, we were really good. And we had what ended up being an all-CIF quarterback. His name was Jason Wielden. He went to school at Salem. And Jason was something else as a JV. We ran lots of options. He'd get wide open and run it up the field. And, and, uh, and so we knew we had a good team. And we put it on some people, which we had never done before. And so we, we got to the end of the season, and our big rival at that point was Valley Christian. We hated them. Uh, they were awful. They, they, they brought their bigger boys down to play JV. 
And we're like, you got to be kidding me. These guys are huge. They're dairy farmers. They're huge. We don't want to play these kids. And we got our boys up here. Coach Kunau would always take the best sophomores up to varsity. And so we always ended up with little guys, but not this year. Coach Kunau brought the big offensive line down. And we pounded Valley Christian. And they were so mad uh, because they had won every JV league title for years. The next week then was the big matchup between Brethren Christian, who had a number of Division I athletes and Little Orange Lutheran. So it was a big game. We were probably 9-1, and 9-2, and two, and they were probably undefeated. And, and again, they were huge. And for a JV team, I don't know where they got their size, but, and they were dirty. Um, they, were, they were mean. And uh, we knew that it was going to be a very emotional, very physical game. We knew that if we came out and, and, and played our best game, it was going to be close. So we played over in Bellflower, and it was a cool day in the end of the fall, and we warmed up our boys, and everyone is very quiet when we warmed them up, and, and my friend Chuck Renevere, who was coaching along with a man named Eric Lurch and uh, uh, Rod Sherman, uh, we, we brought the boys together, and Chuck Renevere says, I've got the pregame speech. And I said, well, that's good. They don't need anything more from me or anyone else, and... and uh, he got up in front of the boys. He had a very sullen look on his face. Chuck said, fellas, you don't get opportunities like this often in your life. And uh, it got very, very quiet. He said, you want to live your life to not have any regrets in your life. I can still see. He spoke of his own life and some of the regrets he had. Some of the things that if he could go back and change, he would. Some of the things that were painful. And again, it got very real and very raw. At the end, he said a prayer. And it wasn't a pastor prayer that was filled with all sorts of pious platitudes. It was an earthy, raw, rich, soulful prayer for our boys for the game. And that we would play in such a way that we would have no regrets. And then he pulled out of his coaching shorts a, 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 a pad of stickers. And on everybody's helmet, he put a little sticker that said, no regrets. I put that little sticker in my wallet, and I carried that in my wallet, looking at it every time I did any transaction, until finally the sticker wore off and the wallet wore out. And I always remembered, no regrets. We won that game that day, and we won the league title, and they were dirty. And it ended up that their dirtiness and their lack of discipline cost them. If you remember those Orange Lutheran in those days, we were always more disciplined, stronger, better coached than the other teams. That's why we beat teams that were better and bigger than us. So at the end of the game, there was a scrum. We were very close to a first down. The, 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 the pile had left forward, and it looked like we were short. And one of their players, who's about as big as I am now, kicked our player right in the ribs, right in front of the officials. 15-yard penalty. We ran the clock out. We run the game. And we won the first league championship for the JVs in Orange County in uh, the Olympic League for, for our school. But the most important part of that was the no regrets part. No regrets. 
And I think of those stories and I think of those pieces in the, in the scripture today that remind us of that. Of those moments in our lives where we'd like to just have a big eraser and go back and, and just be done with it and say, this year, this month, this season, if I could just kind of go back and redo my life, I would get rid of this regret. It doesn't take long for that sort of thinking to hit home in a hurry for us. Broken pieces of life, pieces of, of, of sin that we entertain that we could have just kind of backed off of. Self-inflicted stuff. I love the way our crew sang this morning. Oh, if I knew then what I know now, condemnation would have had no power. My joy, my pain would have never been my worth. If I knew then what I know now would have not been hard to figure out what I would have changed if I had heard dear younger me. What regrets do you have? What changes would you make? Where would you go if you could go back and fix the things you regret? I wonder if the Apostle Paul had that conversation with himself. Here's a man who had feet of clay. The, the greatest voice of the, of, of the, the Lord Jesus to the, to the Western world, to the Gentile world. The, the, one of the greatest preachers in the history of Christendom. One of the boldest, best evangelists ever. Stoned, left for dead, pulled out of town after town. Yet he stands up. Bridge gaps between men and women. Bridge gaps between Jew and Gentile, of, of slave and free, of this ethnicity and that ethnicity. St. Paul was the man. And yet, I wonder if St. Paul went back to his life and said, Dear younger me, I wouldn't have been standing there holding the robes of Stephen as the crowd killed him. And I wouldn't have raised up an army to go kill Christians in Damascus before the Lord got a hold of me. And so Paul writes those marvelous words from Philippians chapter 4. I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. He held in his soul that Christ had taken a hold of him. And that encouraged him and emboldened him and empowered him. To not stand up and, and wimp out. To not, to not play the game of being an evangelist. To do the mission of being an evangelist with a lot of regrets. To say, well, I'll, I'll back off here. I'll, I'll play kind of halfway here. Paul always seems to me to be always all in. Fearless. Pressing on to take a hold of that for which Christ took hold of him. And I wonder if when the, the blindness overtook him, if the Lord led him back to the cross and said, Paul, here's the deal. You can live in the regrets of your sin and your bad behavior and all of the broken pieces, or you can see that I have taken a hold of you. You can see that I'm going to walk back with you through these regrets, but we're not stopping at the regrets, we're stopping at the cross. And we're going to leave those regrets at the cross. And those regrets will not inform my love for you, but boy, are you going to be wise because of where you've been. Because when you mix brokenness and redemption with faith and mission, you end up with a dynamic apostle in the person Paul. Changed the world. Changed us. We're here because he went on a boat ride. Dear younger me. The Lord takes us back by faith in Jesus Christ.
if you have that faith in Christ and the grace that comes from Jesus, you can look at those regrets in the eye and not be afraid because they're reckoned at the cross. It's there that forgiveness is for the sins that we committed. It's there that the Lord Jesus says, I love you and I'm with you. And when he did that really stupid thing that caused all this hurt and brokenness for you and everybody else, I was there. And I'm going to be with you as you work through this and work your way out of this. Trust me. The same Jesus who is there when our lives fall apart is the Jesus who puts our lives back together. Sometimes in a much more beautiful, more useful way than what we're thinking is where we're going to end up. And the same Jesus who goes with us through our sickness is the Jesus who's there with healing. Who calls us out of the muck and mire of our regrets into the marvelous fullness of his grace. I love that Isaiah verse this morning that Norm read. Forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I am making a way in the wilderness and streams in the wasteland. Christ Jesus has taken a hold of your life and moved you on a heavenly trajectory. That's just, oh, we're on the way to heaven. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to heaven. Well, how, how are you going to know when you get there? Because it's going to be better than this, baby. I'm on the way to heaven. I wonder if Paul said that. Where are you going? Well, I'm going to heaven, but I'm going to go through Lystra, Derby, and Iconium first. Well, those places stink. I, right, but i got to go through those before I get here. But baby, I'm on my way to heaven. Heaven-bound, heaven-focused, trajectory towards heaven. I love that. Press on, push forward. One of the greatest regrets I have in my life is not being a better student. Had everything at my disposal. Everything. I could have been a better student. I should have been a better student. If I had studied harder, I could have pulled straight A's. I could have, but I didn't. Because I was arrogant. And I thought that I knew more than the professors. Which in some cases I did. But <laughs> right? I was lazy. If I could get away with doing this amount for a C, why do this amount for an A? It just didn't make sense to me. Drove my parents crazy. My mom was in the service at 8 o'clock. She said, well, you got that right. I said, yeah. <laughs> but there's regrets to that. Also sitting at 8 o'clock church this morning was one of my classmates from seminary, Pastor Ted Schaefer, who himself was a disciplined, excellent student. And who knew more about the way theology and life and those things work than I did. And I regret that I didn't work harder. That I had more humility and less pride. Was more industrious and less, less self-satisfied. I would have been a better pastor, a more faithful disciple. I regret those C's and I remember vividly the two D's that I got. That drugged that GPA down. And you know how regret kind of lingers? Like the effects don't completely wash away. Two years ago, I applied for a doctor ministry program at Fuller, and they pulled out my transcript from Concordia Seminary in St. Louis. 
And they said 2.49 doesn't get you into Fuller Seminary. Have you looked at my church? Have you Googled our website? Have you seen what I've done? Have you heard me preach? Heaven's doors open, angels come down, Jesus himself shows up at 9.33. No. You need to take a class to prove that you can do graduate level work. Dear younger me, one more A or B and one less C and no D's, right? Forget the former things and do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. So from the regrets of that have come study and work and a mature humility. I had to take a class two summers ago with a bunch of kids and out of 100 points, I got 98. I read every book that was assigned voraciously. Instead of struggling to get to a 20-page paper, I wrote about 24 pages. Instead of whining about doing a bibliography, I cranked it out, and the professor said, 2.49, really? I said, well, dear younger me, right? Straight A, first year. A's. Second year, A's. Third year, we'll see. But those words of Paul are beautiful. You see, regrets become redemptive when we learn from them and don't wallow in them. Regrets become redemptive when in wisdom we share our path of brokenness, not in arrogance like a badge of honor, but in humility especially with those who are younger than us, like our own children. And they say, Dad, tell me about. And we think, whatever you do, don't repeat my mistakes. Dear younger me, not that I have already obtained all this or already have arrived at my goal, but I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Forgetting, forgetting, forgetting what is behind and straining, straining, straining towards what is ahead. I'd love to have a sticker for each one of you today to put on, I don't know, your purse, your wallet, your forehead, whatever. We just put them on and say no regrets, but you don't need a sticker. You have Jesus and faith in him. In your soul, you're reminded that God goes with you in all the pieces of your life and that in His grace and by His power working in and through you, the regretful pieces can become redemptive and a marvelous blessing for us and for others. We don't wallow in our regrets. We live through our regrets. I'd like to ask you if you'd stand with me and sing. Our hymn of response is, is, is a marvelous hymn, a, a soulful song. And I wonder if we can just sing together. Uh, I, I love, they, they did great at 8 o'clock. I think you're going to be great. See if I can hit that G. When peace like a river attended my way. When 
Lord Jesus, you speak to our souls. You bring restoration, healing, kindness, and love. Where we judge ourselves so critically, Lord, you look at us through the cross. You don't count our sins against us. Paul wrote that. But you love us with this marvelous, soft, kind grace. And you take those bumps in the road and you smooth them over and you bring them back and you say, hey, we got this. So be with us as your children. Keep us strong in you. Those who are kind of standing at the crossroads this morning wondering about a regretful decision, just pray that your spirit of insight and wisdom would, would, would lead them in the path that you would have them go. That you would walk through whatever sort of yucky things are going on in, in lives as well. Thanks for your word, for coaching young people, for C's and D's and A's, and for taking difficult spots of life and making them beautiful. Your creative energy with your grace makes all things new. This we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.